I love the poorly educated. With me, it's just works, you know, it's magic. Believe me. I'm very capable of changing to anything I want to change to. All I know is what's on the internet. Are you not entertained? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And this is where you get the best coverage of Trump's sanity in all of radio. Each and every Sunday night we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week and the events of our often bizarre lives. And we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. Good evening, Leah Brandon. How are you this week? Well, good evening. I'm doing very well, very well. Well, we've got a ton to get to, as is almost always the case, but uh, as has been the case for the last several months, uh, much of the focus, at least at first, will be on the latest developments in Trump's sanity. And (laughs) I'm now thinking, Leah Brandon, that um, we may want to change our opening music. I I really love the Pirates of the Caribbean. I really do. Me too. Me too. When we play at the beginning of every single hour, it gets me jazzed up. My daughter, Grace, loves it. I mean, she'll ask me to play it uh, all the time on the playground and what have you and uh so i really like it but i'm I'm wondering whether or not maybe we should in in light of trump sanity and we're living in the era of trump maybe we ought to go back to something like this president donald trump knows how to make america great deal from strength or get crushed every time i'm thinking maybe that should be the intro music for the john and leah show at least once a once a an hour, well, not once an hour, but maybe once a week. Um, maybe, maybe <laughs> once per show. <laughs> well, we will limit it to that. Well, last week at the very end of the program, uh, and people can check this out at our podcast at freespeechbroadcasting.com, we introduced our official anthem for the Trumpsters, which uh, I guarantee has never been played before by any uh, nationally syndicated radio talk show. Uh, yeah, no, can... Bobby Goldsboro's not big <laughs> with the <laughs> national talk show. But he did back in 1968 or whatever it was when he wrote uh, Hobos and Kings. He probably didn't have Donald Trump in mind, but he might as well have. And if you <laughs> check out the end of hour number three from last week's program in our, in our podcast, either via SoundCloud or iTunes at uh, freespeechbroadcasting.com. You can check that out. By the way, at freespeechbroadcasting.com, we have two new articles that you're definitely going to want to check out. Uh, One is a feature on this program by Talkers Magazine, a very extensive feature, by the way, uh, by Talkers Magazine, which is considered to be the Bible of the industry. Uh, What did you make of the feature, by the way? Well, I loved it. Um, And in fact, I I can't believe that the writer lets you go on and on about politics like you did. Because? It was pretty interesting. Well, because the, the person that writes the article is definitely a liberal. And so, you know, to allow you to just go on and on and on, I thought that was great. Well, it's one of the more fair uh, features that we'll ever get on this program, uh, and I didn't see any major inaccuracies, which is highly unusual. I mean, in my entire <laughs> lifetime, I mean, I, I've never, I've never been written about anything I've ever done without there being an inaccuracy. It's part of why I'm so cynical about the news media. I've, I've told the story before. The very first time I ever got quoted in a newspaper article was incorrectly, and that was like when I was eight years old, and I knew, wow, this is what a load of crap this is. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's how I ended up where I am for better. For worse, but you can check that out at freespeechbroadcasting.com. And also, 
Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but I wrote a column this week for wow. Mediate, um, which is a, a media criticism uh, slash news source of some note. It's run by Dan Abrams from ABC News, uh, the legal well, analyst. I totally had a huge, huge crush on him forever. During, what, the OJ days? Yes. Interesting. Um, well, you know, our, our good friend Kim Goldman, uh, obviously from the OJ Simpson case, it was her brother who OJ murdered along with Nicole, um, mm-hmm. speaks very highly of Dan Abrams, which is it's about as unusual as, some, as me praising someone in the news media for her to praise somebody who was covering the OJ case. And I actually had a, um, a very interesting, which I can't get into for a number of reasons, very interesting email exchange with Dan about the Penn State case uh, a week or so ago. But anyway, long story short, um, it's his website, and I I wrote a column about how the conservative media has facilitated Donald Trump's nomination and why that has been the case. Now, this this is not going to be a shock to people who listen to the John and Leah show because it's one of our themes. Right. Um, And I talked extensively about it last week, but— I knew that Trump was going to have a big night on Tuesday, and so I had it all ready to go. <laughs> I had this this <laughs> two thousand plus word piece ready to go at the moment that he he was declared the winner in Florida, which was a fait accompli. And boy, uh, I never anticipated it going nearly as viral as it did. In fact, I don't think it I've, went everywhere. Yeah, I don't think I've ever written anything that went as viral as this. Uh, over twenty four thousand Facebook shares, uh, over two hundred thousand views. Uh, Glenn Beck praised it as the bravest piece he's ever seen written and 100% true, which I was very conflicted about. Uh, yeah, I know you were. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that, I promise, because uh, I know you're a huge Glenn Beck fan, and I'm yep. not. Um, but uh, he was, you know, very praising of the piece, and but of course never uses my name, which I, I don't think is, is not relevant because I care about my name being used. It's relevant because of why he decides never to use my name, which... Again, and I'll get I have to, a different opinion on that. Well, we'll so get we'll to talk that. about that. I promise. Later. <laughs> I, I promise. I'll get to all that. Uh, but I want you to check out the piece because it's, um, you know, it must have something of value because tons and tons of people shared it uh, all over Twitter, Facebook, um, and lots of other places. Uh, and so you can find that at www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. You can find a ton of stuff at our website, including each and every one of the 22 different radio stations that's, which carry the John and Leah show on a weekly basis. So make sure you do that. And also, you, if you have the courage, we also have the updated John and Leah show percentages for who's going to win the GOP nomination and who will be the next president of the United States. Keep in mind, unlike most radio talk shows, this one is about the truth and what will happen, not about creating a fairy tale narrative of what we wish would happen so that you'll feel good. That's not what this show is. If you want that, go somewhere else. I'm this right. is where you're going to find out the truth and almost always what will happen before it actually does. Which is why I've yet to visit the site to look at it. <laughs> That's, what a great advertisement. Thank you so much there, Leah. All right, I'm well, terrified. Well, if you have more courage than Leah, it's freespeechbroadcasting.com. Uh, this is the John and Leah Show, and you're listening to the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. And for weeks, if not months, we have been telling you that the primaries on March 15th were going to be key to deciding who the GOP nominee would be and it looks as if we were right about that as all almost all of the drama was drained out of the race because Donald Trump had a very big night Marco Rubio did not Leah remind us what occurred on Tuesday Yes, it was another Super Tuesday in the books. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton dominating the day, although Hillary made a clean sweep. She picked up Florida, Illinois, North Carolina, Ohio, and Missouri. Trump got Florida, North Carolina, and Illinois. Governor John Kasich picking up his home state of Ohio. And Missouri still locked in a battle between Trump and Senator Ted Cruz. Now, as Donald Trump looks more and more to be the possible nominee... Social media is alive with discussion about how the GOP is going to try to stop him at the convention this summer. After Donald Trump won Florida easily, Senator Marco Rubio dropped out of the race. And he has since said he's not interested in being vice president and that he's not running for re-election to the U.S. Senate. In the meantime, Governor John Kasich is convinced he's going to be the next president. We're not going to hear from Kasich. You're just stating that he's just convinced he's going to be the next president. That's, oh, yeah. that's fine. I'm fine with not hearing from John Kasich. I don't ever want to hear from him again. <laughs> uh, we'll talk a little bit about Kasich because he is a weird, weird dude. And I don't. He's got a huge ego. Um, well, they all do. And I don't fully understand what Kasich's uh, angle is here. Um, although, if, if it is what I think it is, he's not quite underline quite as delusional as a lot of people think. But I'll get to that momentarily. Let's talk about Rubio. I want to do the autopsy on Rubio because, you know, after all, we live in such a short attention span universe now that uh, Rubio dropping out on Tuesday feels like it was like three months ago. It does. Uh, And, um, you know, who? Marco who? Um, uh, (laughs) Little Marco. Well, let's, yeah, books could but won't be written about how and why Rubio um, went down to defeat and its significance. I think it's incredibly significant on so many different levels. Um, Number one, with Marco Rubio went, effectively, the last chance for the Republican Party to beat Hillary Clinton on our own terms. I am now of the belief, very strong belief, that there is no scenario where a Republican beats Hillary Clinton unless— there's a disaster outside of our control. Right. Uh, indictment, you know, terrorist attack. Which fin- I've been saying is the is going to happen. Could be. I mean, but it would have to be perfectly timed. It would be, have to be not that you're rooting for this. I'm not. Um, but I'm just no. saying I'm just looking at this objectively and saying what what's the scenario where Hillary could lose now? And that's theoretically possible um, or, you know, an economic collapse, something like that. And I realize that this is a. This ought to be a widely accepted notion that Rubio was the last chance to beat her. It's not. And, and that is, therein lies a large part of the problem. 
the GOP base, is, there's nothing I've learned from my many, many battles with these Trumpsters on Twitter and Facebook. It's that the GOP base, or a large portion of it, has no idea how elections are run in the modern era. And no idea what it takes to win and what it is that will cause you to lose as a Republican. Now, Rubio, you know, obviously did not run a perfect campaign. In fact, I said on this program months ago, I was extremely concerned because when I asked my contact in the Rubio campaign, why are you not touting these polls that show you beating Hillary far better than anybody else does? Right. And, And I got told, it's our policy not to talk about polls. Oh, I'm just so sick of it. I'm so sick of these idiots. So wait a minute. Your entire entire basis of your candidacy is you're the electable one, but you're not going to talk about polls. I got it. It didn't work for Donald Trump, did it? Right, right. Because talking about polls is just death. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's just—it's—it's uh, it's insanity. I knew at that moment. Okay, and but by the way, a lot of people, for some reason, and this is incredibly frustrating. For some reason, they think that when I say that, for instance, at the beginning of this, Scott Walker should be the nominee, or that once he dropped out, that Rubio should be the nominee, that somehow I'm saying that's what's going to happen. I never said that about Walker. I never said that about Rubio. In fact, I never saw the path for Rubio, partially because I didn't have any trust in his campaign. But despite the lack of a path, it's amazing how how close Rubio actually came to winning this thing. And let me tell you all that would have had to have happened for him to pull this off. Remember, let's go back to Iowa. And I told you time and time again, Iowa is incredibly important this year because of the Trump factor. And we were going to basically determine on that day whether Trump's for real or whether he's a flash in the pan. Well, and I predicted correctly that him finishing a strong second was actually the best thing that ever happened to him because the establishment thought, oh, okay, he can, he's going to implode on his own. We don't need to take this that seriously. We don't need to drop out. Everyone doesn't need to drop out immediately because this will take care of itself. Of course, we know now how that turned out. Trump only beat Rubio by a couple of thousand votes, if that. I don't have the exact number, but it was no more than a couple of thousand votes. Right. If, if Rubio had beaten Trump, in Iowa, I think Trump's done. I think yes, no. because you said that if he finishes second, if it's first or second, he's good. But if he finishes third, it's over. Right? He's, because he's people want winners. Right? He's bleeding, and his entire narrative is, "I'm the winner." So let's pretend Rubio finishes second and Trump finishes third. Trump's bleeding. Jeb gets out. Because, or at least should, because it's now clear Rubio's the guy. So Jeb doesn't continue his delusion through New Hampshire mm. and into South Carolina. And and Christie now no longer has a path. And who knows, maybe he gets out in that disaster with the debate thing, which I think was vastly overrated and misunderstood, doesn't happen either. And therefore now Rubio comes in second in New Hampshire to a weakened Trump and then win South Carolina. The whole world is different. If just a couple of thousand people had switched their votes in Iowa or a couple of thousand more Rubio people had shown up or if Jeb had had the, had the wherewithal to get the hell out before Iowa yeah. like he should have. I Je- know. Jeb Bush is to blame for so much of this 
But, he is. But definitely the demise of Marco Rubio. More on this when we continue on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Uh, Leah, I'm going to get to John Kasich, Ted Cruz, and uh, Donald Trump momentarily, as well as uh, other news eventually on this edition of the program. But I want to continue for at least a couple more minutes on the autopsy of uh, Marco Rubio. What difference at this point does it make? <laughs> well, for her, it makes a lot of difference because she's about the only one that ought to be happy about the demise of Marco Rubio. Because Marco Rubio would have beaten Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Period. End of sentence, not an opinion, barring massive disaster, obviously. I mean, anything can happen in life. But all things being equal, Rubio would have beaten her. I think a lot of people don't understand how. Well, here's how, okay? It's pretty simple, actually. She's a terrible candidate. You have to win Florida on our side. Obviously, he's from Florida, People who don't understand the difference between primaries and general elections will say, but he lost his home state to Donald Trump. He lost his home state among Republicans, a very small sliver of the Republican Party in Florida. Rubio would have beaten Hillary among the general election population in Mm -hmm. Florida. Okay, so you take Florida. You add it, maybe Kasich would be his VP, or maybe just Kasich would be powerful enough to help him out because he's very popular in Ohio. You add Florida to Ohio, okay? Now now you add all the Romney states, which clearly Rubio would have won over Hillary. He would have won every state Romney did, plus Florida, plus probably Ohio. Now all you need is one more state. One more it doesn't even have to be a big one. <laughs> All right. You just, just need one more. You tell me, you tell me that in Colorado, that Hillary Clinton, with no connection to the state, where the state just, w- just elected a Republican senator in the last midterm with a rather large Hispanic population, you tell me that she was going to beat Marco Rubio in Colorado? Uh-uh. No. Not, not going to happen. Not, it was not going to happen. And in fact, I think there are a number of states that Rubio could have theoretically beaten her if things had gone properly. But once Trump was in, he was the hurricane. All the boats got tops, you know, topsy-turvy. You know, Scott Walker got sunk. And, yes. and he, I think, would have the easiest path to 200 and at least 69, if not more, Electoral College votes, which would have effectively been a victory. But so many of our people don't understand how the Electoral College works. They don't understand general elections. They don't understand primaries. And I guess what bothers me most about the demise of Rubio is not just that Hillary's happy. That's bothersome enough. (laughs) But it's why it happened, Leah. 
and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but here's how and why Rubio got rejected. It's it's one that he got rejected in favor of Donald Trump. That's really disturbing. But it here, is. But I mean, when you you're giving away a certain victory over Hillary Clinton for Donald Trump, seriously, seriously, it's just flat out ridiculous. I mean, that that's the reality of it. We we gave up Marco Rubio, not a perfect candidate, not perfect, no, but as darn near as close. For this electorate we're going to face in 2016, as Republicans are ever going to get. And we killed him for a liberal blowhard with zero chance of winning. That's yeah. what we did, well, folks. It's the gang of eight, and well, he was seen as establishment. Okay. And, well, and once re- that narrative took off, it was just too late. You're right. So let's go through why Rubio got, got assassinated. Gang of eight. All right. Now, at least this one is substantive. I, I understand why people would be upset with the Gang of Eight, except if they looked at the context of it and they looked at it as, wait a minute, this occurred months after Obama just won a huge victory. The Democrats control the Senate. They're going to do this on their terms anyway. And Rubio thought, well, maybe it's best I at least have the voice in this whole deal. And oh, yeah. by the way, it didn't pass. Right. And oh, by the way, Obama did exactly what Rubio predicted he would do if it didn't pass. All right. So I, I don't see this as a, a, anywhere close to a deal breaker, but I guess some people did fine, whatever. That's at least somewhat substantive. The Chris Christie thing drives me bananas. Yeah. All right. Because Chris Christie, first of all, is a douchebag um, who is now going to have had major roles in not one, but two different Democrats being elected president of the United States. Thanks so much, Chris Christie. Really the hug. Yeah, the hug with Obama and, you know, the taking out of Rubio for purely, no, I mean, didn't help him at all, and nor could it have helped him. He ended up dropping out three days later, four days later, whatever it was. And all Rubio did was repeat truthful attacks on Barack Obama. And for that, for that, we killed him when we're going to go with a guy who repeats, make America great again, 1,500 times a day. A Build day. a wall. Build a wall. Make America great again. You know, great. Th- th- China. Believe me. I mean, that's this is Mr. Repeat, Donald Trump. But but we're but we can't have Rubio because he said it two or three times in a debate that he that uh, Barack Obama knows what he's doing when he's destroying America. That's just amazing. Yeah. L L and Donald Trump can insult everyone in the world, but let Marco Rubio do, and it's over. Well, that's the next point. That one, this is the one that gets me more than any of the others, maybe. So wait a minute, folks. In my father fitness category, my father-in-law fitness category, this is when I knew it was over for Marco. Because they're, you know, mainstream Republicans. They should be right in Marco's wheelhouse. And both of them told me, you know, I really didn't like it when he went after Donald Trump. I know. And I'm like, are you serious? I know. Are are you for real? It's crazy. Are you for real? Do, do, you, You do understand that a monster was about to destroy your house. No one was going to stop him. Rubio went outside and said, okay, I'll give this a shot. He made the monster bleed, and he came back in the house, and you said, you know, appreciate the effort, but um, no, no, we don't like it. We, 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 it made us feel uncomfortable, really. It's unreal. Uh, um, and so we're going to take it out on you. We're fine. We're fine with the monster now, but you, you're the problem. You're the problem. And by the way, for those who say strategically that Rubio's Don Rickles act didn't work, 
I say bullcrap. Because if you, and this is important, tell me if I'm wrong on this, Leah. If you were in the Marco Rubio meeting when they decided, all right, we got no choice but to go after Trump, and let's go after him like he goes after everybody else and see if the bully can handle us. All right? So if if you're in that meeting and you you are in a situation where you're trying to determine, okay, what's going to happen here? What will happen if, in fact, we do this? And you're told in that meeting, guess what? I know what's going to happen. Donald Trump at the next debate because you get under his skin, is going to brag about the size of his penis. He's going to brag about the size of his penis at a debate and do so in the most unpresidential way possible, as if you could do that in a presidential fashion. I guarantee you the Rubio people in that meeting would go, fan-flippin-tastic. This is exactly what we need. We are going to provoke him into revealing who he really is, into saying something incredibly stupid and basically putting his foot in his mouth at a debate in a disqualifying manner. They would have taken that in a heartbeat, and that's exactly what happened, but no one cared. Or at least the media didn't care. The media laughed at it. The conservative media didn't care. They thought, oh, this is fantastic. This is wonderful. And they did nothing to even make it an issue. And in fact, at that very same debate, Rubio crushed it with the whole yoga flexibility thing, and that was ignored. So don't give me this business that it was a bad strategic move or that it was poorly executed or that it didn't get the results they wanted. It did. And I'll say one last thing on this because this really bugs me. I think that there is also, and I never thought I would be forced to acknowledge this. I've been defending conservatives against these kind of charges most of my life. But I believe that there's an element of racism as well. I believe that, you know, little, little Marco and little Ricky Ricardo and Cabana Boy and all that kind of stuff, the vicious, horrible, horrendous attacks on Rubio led by, among all others, not only by Donald Trump, but by Matt Drudge, have at least a racist element to them. And I think there was a, a hint, if not more, of racism in why Marco Rubio was rejected in favor of Donald frickin' Trump. It's disgusting, it's depressing, and we will regret it because we will have Hillary Clinton as our president, barring disaster, for at least the next four years because of it. All right, more analysis of what's going on in this race when we come back on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host, well, she's Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Leah, I didn't give you a chance to respond to uh, the uh, two thoughts that I shared at the end of the last segment. To one involving right. the strategy of Rubio going on the attack against Trump. I actually believe that it worked exactly like the Rubio people wanted because Trump ended up at a debate of all places, bragging about his penis largely in response to these attacks because it got under his skin. And then also I think that there was a, a, a hint at least of some racism uh, on the part of some who were against Marco Rubio, mainly these Trump supporters. And I, I have to tell you, I, I think that there is an element of racism, not 
obviously by every Trump supporter. But there is some racism, whether it's latent or overt, that is driving this. And I think Marco Rubio got the brunt of that. And I'm curious if you agree on either one of those points. I'm not sure about the racism thing. I mean, I saw some racism on Twitter and Facebook, but it was mostly coming from the left because they're terrified that the Republicans are the one that had the Hispanic candidate. Oh, Rubio scared the daylights out of them. They are all breathing a big... Oh yes, yes, and so, but they were slamming him and and everything, you know. But I just... saw it from a lot of Trump supporters, Leah. A lot of Trump supporters with the little. Mar- I mean, it was Trump who said little, little Marco. Marco. Yeah, and you know, I saw a lot of little Ricky Ricardo. I saw a lot of Cabana Boy, and these were from Trump supporters. I mean, well, I- uh, look, the Trump supporters just hate Marco Rubio because they've painted him as this establishment candidate. Mm. So they're going to, you know, say anything. Um, But as far as Donald Trump actually talking about the size of his wanjit on stage at a debate. At a debate. I mean, really, that for me was where this whole thing jumped the shark and it barely got a whisper. It was amazing. I mean, it's it's almost as if the media just said, I, I mean, you would think that the media would be all over that because it's just fantastic for ratings. It was almost as if it was so bizarre. Uh, I'm reminded of, the, of um, you know, the, um, uh, the, the rockumentary, um, you know, the, the, where the, uh, what the hell am I thinking about? The, um, well, the, the old line, this is one of those crimes better left unsolved, really. Oh, yes, better left unsolved. Yes, Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap, thank you. Boy, yeah. Brain cramp there for a second. So, <laughs> um, But in that movie, Spinal Tap, there's this better left unsolved, really. Uh, yes. This, one of those crimes better left unsolved. It was almost as if, wow, we better just leave that one alone. Let's just pretend that didn't happen, even though that should have been everything. I mean, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the debate? Other than, right. other than Trump talking about his penis, how was the debate? Um, and the other thing is that... Marco Rubio never said that, and I answered a couple of Trump supporters about the fact that Marco Rubio never said that. He alluded to it, but right. he never said it, but and that, there's Trump actually saying it at, at a, debate, a debate. At a debate. <laughs> at a debate. Because because that's important. I mean, there's there's different <laughs> levels of importance when you make a statement. I mean, there's a, a statement that's overheard talking in private. Like, like, that's at the lowest, lowest level of possible importance, right? But right. And, then, and it goes all the way up to all the other ways you can communicate a thought or a policy or whatever it is. Pretty much nothing gets larger than saying it at a debate. Unreal. And it didn't even make nothing. a ripple. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Is, crickets. Um, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's really. It's know, just flat out ridiculous. But this, this, was, <laughs> this was the reaction. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that was the media coverage of Trump doing that. All right. Yeah. Um, so that's Rubio. Now, Kasich. Now, Kasich is an interesting case uh, for a number of reasons. Number one, what the hell is he doing in the race? What what the hell is he doing in the race? He has absolutely his ego. He has no basis to be in the race. But because everyone knows he's harmless, I mean, he's he's not a threat to anybody. See, Rubio, Rubio got attacked every single day from every possible direction because everyone knew he was a threat. Kasich gets zero scrutiny. 
because no one sees him as a threat. The only person now sees him as a threat is Ted Cruz. And yes. Cruz, because obviously Cruz wants his one-on-one date with Donald Trump, and Kasich is getting in the way of that. So he's finally and he getting— he never shuts up either. He takes so much time at oh. the debates. Well, again, because— because he's the governor of Ohio, and because Ohio is such a key state for Republicans, I mean, you, you can't win the presidency, basically, without Ohio. And because no one saw him as a threat, everyone tiptoes around John Kasich. And so he's mm. been able to stay under the radar, losing everywhere, not just losing, but getting single digits in the vast majority of states. And yet he wins his home state, and it's like, here I am. I'm ready <laughs> to go. Let's start the race. Well, wait a minute, yeah, because- John. Hold That's on what a I look for in my candidate. I want a candidate who can win Ohio. Well, only right, only only win Ohio. <laughs> but the most, you know, it's it's. But his delusion here, it seems like delusion, although it might not be total delusion, is that somehow we're we're you know seven tenths the way through the race. Effectively, I know we're only a little bit past halfway, but effectively we're you know we're seven tenths through. He's just now getting his speed up, and he wants to be like, and it's a marathon. He's miles and miles behind. He can't possibly win. Mathematically, he can't win, but he wants to start the race over. Like, now let's yes. start from today. No, it doesn't work Correct. that way, John. Now, what's his game? What's his angle? I was one of those who, up until today, bought that he was sticking around because he wants to either be kingmaker and or vice president. Yeah. There, there's some logic to that. I mean, if he, he has, a, you know, over 100 delegates now— and, you know, he theoretically can be critical in Ohio. So could he be Trump's VP? Now, it's it's standard operating procedure for a candidate to say, I'm not going to be VP. But his d- denial that he'll be Trump's VP is off the charts. I mean, it's as, as far as you could possibly ever go. And today on Meet the Press, he, he, I think he called it ridiculous or absurd or whatever. It, it was off Trump the, would never choose him. I actually thought Trump might because Mm-mm. because Ohio is so critical to his path, which, by the way, I'm going to get to Trump's path in the next hour because I think this is important because no one's really talking about this. Not that it's much of a path, but in, in the mind of Donald Trump, I'm going to talk about what the path is <laughs> in his delusion, what, what he thinks is going to happen or what could happen to get him elected. So I no longer think that this is about being Trump's VP. I think Kasich, and this is not totally insane, it's only partially insane, I think Kasich thinks, you know what, I'm going to run this thing through the convention, the convention's in Ohio, my own state, yep. mm-hmm. it's in Cleveland, I'll, I'll, I'll be perceived as a guy who's still a candidate if, we, if Trump doesn't get to 1237, you know, this thing is open, and I'll be the hostess with the mostest, and I'll have a, a bunch of delegates, and I'll be perceived as still being in the game. And if Trump doesn't get 1237 on the first ballot and there's a new ballot and everybody's a free agent, everyone might look around and go, okay, well, there's only three options, really, because those are the only three guys, quote unquote, running. We're not going to go with someone who's not running. Trump can't win. Cruz doesn't look like he can win either. What about the guy who's a moderate from Ohio? Maybe we should Uh. give him a look. It's not insane. It's not it's not going to happen. Let me emphasize, this is not going to happen, I don't believe, but it's not totally crazy. And it's selfish as hell. Let's make that clear. Yes, it is. It is selfish as hell because he's basically putting the entire future of the nation and the party at risk on a one in a hundred shot. 
for his own self-interest. That's really Trump what it is. supporters and Cruz supporters are not voting for him. But that's not who goes to the delegate to the convention as delegates, Leah. See, that's the important thing people are missing here. No, but I'm saying in the general. Um, probably. Oh, look, look, Leah. A contested convention. I don't see what the scenario is where we come out with a winner. Because if it's Trump, we already know he's a loser, which I'll give further evidence of in the next hour. Cruz would look terrible coming out of a contested convention because then he's the establishment guy. He's the guy, he loses all of his anti-establishment street cred, and and all the Trump people are pissed off. They're not going to vote for him. He limps into the general election and gets crucified by Hillary. Yeah, Lindsey uh, Graham just endorsed him. Right. I mean, so <laughs> this is an important thing. Cruz. Cruz, this is why it's checkmate. This, I keep saying the term checkmate because Cruz, not only can he not get his one-on-one because Kasich is hanging around, he's lost his anti-establishment street cred because now the establishment is rushing to him. And, and I know the Cruz people are saying, no, 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 he would never sell out to the establishment. Folks, it doesn't matter. It's perception. And so the people who are anti-establishment, which is about two-thirds of the primary population, are looking around right. going, Wait a minute. Trump's the only anti-establishment guy left. I'm going to go with him. Plus, he's the winner. He's, <laughs> I want to go with the guy who's winning. All right. You don't want to go with Lion Ted. Thank you. All right. More on this when we continue in hour number two. Coming up next on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.